From Washington, this is the CQ Budget Podcast, your leading Capitol Hill source on how Congress allocates federal taxpayer dollars. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the CQ Budget Podcast. I'm budget and appropriations reporter Jennifer Shutt, filling in this week for David Lerman, who we sent to the beach. The Senate passed a massive spending legislation last week. It combined the defense and labor HHS education spending bills. Those were the eighth and ninth spending bills that passed the Senate this year. They are officially out in front of the House in terms of the number of spending bills across the floor. But, of course, a lot of work lays ahead for September because none of the legislation that has passed the House and Senate has been successfully conferenced yet. And so none of it is actually ready to be sent to President Donald Trump's desk for his signature. So joining me today to talk about where things are at in the appropriations process and what we're expecting for September is my esteemed colleague, Paul. Paul Krawczak. Thanks for inviting me, Jennifer. So one of the things that we are looking for possibly the first week of September is this conference report on the energy, water, legislative branch, and military construction VA spending bills. That conference report is essentially a congressional way of saying how the House and Senate have blended their two rather different versions of those spending bills together and what is actually likely to be enacted into law. So, Paul, what are you hearing from lawmakers and sources about how that's going to play out in September and what may follow it? Well, it's a little uncertain. I mean, certainly there is a lot of desire to conference as many of these appropriations bills as possible. Um, The House has passed six bills. uh, The Senate has passed nine. As you mentioned, this energy, water, and two other bills uh, conference. One of them is military construction VA. And that's probably the sticking point because Republicans and Democrats have not agreed on um, how to handle the funding for uh, certain VA health programs. So that could be a problem, but if they can figure that out, you know, they should be able to, to conference that three-bill package. And one of the things that is sort of a domino effect in this, right, is that top line for discretionary spending. There's a limit in fiscal 2019, which will begin on October 1st, of $1.24 trillion in discretionary spending. And so the, House, the House's 12 appropriations bills and the Senate's 12 appropriations bills, there's a little bit of a difference in terms of their top line spending levels in there. And so one of the things that we've been hearing from lawmakers all along is that when you get that final set, of spending allocations for these first three bills, how they increase or decrease relative to the other chamber's bill, that's going to impact every other bill down the line. So have you heard anything in terms of getting that final set of all 12 subcommittee allocations, sometimes referred to as the 302Bs? Well, they're, they're sort of being done bill by bill or package by package. As a matter of fact, I was just talking with uh, Congressman Tom Cole on Friday. So he's the chairman of the uh, the House uh, Labor H uh, uh, subcommittee. That's um, the Labor HHS Education Subcommittee. Right, right. And he mentioned the idea of uh, they have to reach agreement on a revised allocation for that bill because the the Senate allocation is a little higher than the House allocation. So one of the issues is that they have to reach agreement on that. So. Um, So that's going to be done package by package as they conference them. Have you heard anything about what lawmakers expect in terms of a continuing resolution? We know that we've heard from Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, Republican of Kentucky, that he is most likely leaving 
the Commerce, Justice, Science, Homeland Security, and State Foreign Ops bills off the calendar until potentially after the midterm elections. Do we expect that the House may bring up that legislation, even though they know that it won't get conferenced with the Senate and enacted into law before the new fiscal year begins? Uh, That seems very unlikely. Um, I mean, I think, you know, if the House is even able to conference these nine different bills with the Senate and act on those, that would be pretty amazing. Certainly there are, you know, appropriators and, and leaders hope to conference and pass as many of these bills as possible. But the but those remaining three bills that you mentioned, including uh, Homeland, I, I think it's almost certain that those would be delayed until the, the next fiscal year. And one of the things that's going to be pretty interesting for us to watch as these appropriations bills sort of get worked out in terms of the differences between the House and the Senate is that we've heard all along from conservative Republicans in the House that they do not particularly like the higher non-defense discretionary spending level that was set for this fiscal 2019 year process. And so we know that there's a rule in the House referred to as the Hastert rule that you want a majority of the majority in order to put a bill on the floor. But then you also have this issue in the Senate where you need 60 votes to advance any spending legislation, which, of course, with the current margin of 51 total Republicans in the Senate, you need at least nine, maybe 10 or 11 Democrats to advance that legislation. Then, of course, you need President Donald Trump's signature. whole lot of moving pieces there. So how do you think you know, congressional leaders and appropriators get all these factions on board in term in before the the September thirtieth deadline. So uh, in the House, for example, there there isn't really any agreed upon strategy yet uh, way forward on this. But but leadership would like to get as many of these appropriations bills conferenced and passed as possible, um, and and a lot of Republicans would too. And one of the reasons for this is that President Trump has said he is not going to sign another omnibus. So they want to uh, pass as many of these bills as possible so that when they do a continuing resolution, a stopgap spending bill at the end of September, that 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 contains minimal spending bills. So they want to pass as many as possible. So, so that's one factor. They, they want to avoid a Trump veto of an omnibus. That's, so that's one factor. But another factor is Trump and Republicans want Republicans to keep the House. Republicans who control the House, obviously, want to get out of town and campaign as quickly as possible. There's a big, big chance that they lose the House to Democrats. And there is a sense among not all Republicans, but a lot of Republicans, even a lot of conservatives, there's a sense that they want to avoid drama they want to get done what they need to get done. They want to be able to go back and campaign on what they have done. So while there are certainly some conservatives who will be opposed to these appropriations bills and will vote no, the, the gist of what's going on may be that more Republicans want to avoid fights, pass bills, and get out of town. So uh, that's what leadership wants, and um, that may be the direction that they head in. And one of the things you just mentioned that's really interesting and is definitely impacting this year's appropriations process are the midterm elections in November. Republicans control the House and the Senate, 
and they are hoping to keep those majorities during the next term of Congress, which will begin in January. Based on the map, a lot of people expect the Senate to stay Republican just based on which lawmakers are up for re-election in which states. But there's a bit more uncertainty about who may control the House in the next session of Congress, possibly going to Democrats. So how are you seeing the policy debates and the bills that head to the floor shape up this year? And how much of that has to do with trying to guarantee that these vulnerable Republican lawmakers can go back to their districts and really tout that they're bringing money home and sort of try to pull in some votes um, from that respect? Well, so one thing is to try to pass as many appropriations bills as possible, because then you can go back and you can say, you know, we have I voted for this project for this extra funding, et cetera. So that's one thing. The other thing is there are there are conservatives and even non-conservatives who want to be able to go back and say, I voted for these bills which are not spending bills. Um, and for conservatives, for example, maybe some kind of uh, tax uh, tweaking bill, maybe some kind of health care, Obamacare-related bill, maybe some kind of Planned Parenthood bill in the House. I mean, those bills are not going to get passed in the Senate. But there are conservatives in the House who want to vote on something like that, maybe maybe immigration, possibly even a comprehensive immigration bill. So there are conservatives who want to vote for certain bills in the House, even though they're not going anywhere, so they can go back to their constituencies and say, I voted for these. So, Paul, one of the things that we know is that despite all this progress in terms of passing appropriations bills across the floor and the optimism about getting some of them into law before the new fiscal year begins on October 1st, we're still going to need a continuing resolution for several federal departments and agencies. What's your best guess on who gets a new spending bill for the beginning of fiscal 2019 and who operates on one of those stopgap spending bills into most likely mid-December? Well, so, I mean, you know, the state foreign operations uh, bill, the homeland security bill, I mean, those are two obvious ones. And um, commerce, justice, science. We know that, that those three are not well. going to be conference. Right. But in terms of right. the nine that right. have passed right. the Senate. Probably the energy water bill is the furthest. That also includes the military uh, construction VA bill and the legislative branch bill. So that's furthest along. The conference is already underway on that. So... A good chance that they uh, get uh, get that conferenced and get that passed. Um, then there's also this other this four bill package, and then there's the package that the Senate just passed, the Defense Labor H. Uh, Health and Human Services Education uh, package. Right. And we should point out something about that four-bill spending package that includes, when the Senate passed it, it included the agriculture, interior environment, financial services, and transportation HUD spending bills. But when that package passed the House, it was only interior environment and financial services. So there are three bills that have passed the Senate that have not passed the House. That's agriculture, labor HHS education, and transportation HUD. And so one of the things that I know appropriators are very anxious about is getting those three bills into conference somehow in September. We're not exactly sure what procedure they're going to follow yet, right? Right, right. Um, Although, I mean, I think it's... um uh, it's very likely that they will try to conference these bills rather than the House trying to pass any of these standalone bills. That's certainly the case with Labor H, Labor H and Defense. There, there won't be any effort to, for the House to try to pass a Labor H 
Health and Human Services bill. So, you know, it's still kind of up in the air. I mean, it's probably unlikely that the House and Senate achieve their goal of passing all nine bills. It will probably fall short of that. You know, the defense, labor, health, and human services bill, I, so a lot of Republicans would like to get defense passed before the end of the fiscal year. Um, and, you know, that may cause them to go along with um, a labor, health, and human services bill that Democrats, that, that's acceptable to Democrats. So the chances on getting that passed might be pretty good. All right. Well, here at CQ and Roll Call, we will be following all of these advances for you during September. Thank you to my colleague Paul Kralzak for stopping in. And thank you. I'm Jennifer Shutt. Thank you for joining us. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and NPR One. And please rate us on iTunes. For more on this and other stories, visit rollcall.com or find us on Twitter at CQNow or at Roll Call. 